Hey guys and welcome to another episode of Off the Field podcast with me Ishan and with Roshan Kapoor as always. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It has been a while. Another week missed and we're sorry for that. We can only apologize, but it is anyways an international break, so we also decided to take a break. And I just hate these international matches to be honest, but we have to go through them. And what are your views on this international break and like this? Is there a need for this right now or not? I mean, it is both needed and not needed at the same time. See, the thing is, uh, Nations League is fine. But the fact that they're playing friendlies that don't even matter before the Nations League, that is what pisses me off. And due to all of this, or due to such a jam-packed schedule, people like players are getting injured. More coronavirus cases are being tested positive now. So yeah. I mean, and if you see it in another angle, like ultimately these nations league matches, this nation league in itself is not unnecessary league. Like it's just another international competition, which to be honest, no one cares about. It's just another trophy to add to your cabinets. It's good to win silverware, but it does not matter. Like people don't care about it enough. So you can consider these nations league matches as friendlies only. So there is no need to then do another set of international friendlies separately. So I get your point. But this is not our main topic for today. Our main topic for today is actually a ranking. Today we are going to be ranking the top 10 most expensive signings of this summer across Europe. So Roshan has ever so kindly has prepared his top 10 ranking of the most expensive summer signings and we will be going through it and let's just begin if you're ready bro okay so um coming in at number 10 i'll say it will be uh, arthur from barca to juventus for around 65 million pounds and the the only reason that he is at number 10 and I classify him as the worst expensive signing is because he is just not a starting player for Juventus. I mean, he has played seven games, not contributed even a single goal or assist. And out of those seven games, he, he has only started the four. So, I mean, I do get the point that Juventus has a new manager and he is still trying to figure out his uh, st- starting eleven or his main midfield and whatnot. But I mean, Arthur—I have never seen Arthur as a player, as a playmaker. He is not as—he is not a playmaker that would, uh, I feel, develop under Pirlo, maybe. But coming again, but. The thing is, I only know Perlo as a player. I don't know what he is as a manager. But I, I, I never thought Arthur to Juventus was a very much needed transfer, according to me. So the thing is, being like on the receiving end of it, kind of, because I know that when we heard the news that being a Barca fan, firstly, I knew when I heard the news that we are selling a young twenty-three-year-old midfielder, Arthur to Juventus and buying another player which we, we will probably come to towards the later part of this video. I The first initial reaction was what the hell are we doing? Why are we selling this young talent, mercurial talent, no matter what the price is and whatever. But we always failed to understand that he was never that good. Like if we are getting what like 65 odd million for him right now, it is good to sell. And he was never that he was never that mercurial potential player. He was just an average player who might have done good or might not have done good. So for Juventus to buy him on the back of they already having a like a plethora of players in the midfield. They have Rabio, Bentencore, they have Ramsey, and now they've signed the USMNT national prospect 
of Western McKenney also. So they have a stacked midfield and to make yourself a starting midfielder in that team was always going to be tough. And on the back of a new manager coming in now, it's it, it always looked a bit tricky to me. So Arthur was, I think, yeah, it's probably right uh, of you to put him on number 10. I mean, still, he he still is like, what, 23 or 24 right now? So, he still has time at his hand. But, I mean, if Juventus uh, somehow get to recoup that 65 million pounds, then fair enough. Yeah, but then again, like, Juventus is probably one of the most, one of the teams which is filled in the midfield the most because they have as I told you, they have young talents who are 23, 24, 22. They all are challenging equally for that midfield role. So it will be really tough for Arthur to make his prominent spot there. But obviously, he has the talent. He has the potential. It's just he needs to start going. And I think Pirlo needs to start trusting in him. But that goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So coming in at number nine, I'll say the... The another the half of the deal which went to Barcelona was Mirlam Pjanic from Juventus to Barca for about 54 million pounds. And to be fair to him, I can see uh, the point why Barca bought in Pjanic. Because uh, what I feel and you can tell me much better if I am right or wrong in that because Barca felt... uh, that Arthur was not as good of a player and Arthur cannot replace uh, Busquets. So that is why our Barca went for this deal. And uh, I mean, fine, if you call it a swap deal, they made a 10 million profit, but it was eventually not a swap deal. And uh, I mean, his performances till, till now has not been very bad and but again it has not been uh, very good also the thing is he has not been playing in la liga he's never started in la liga if i'm not wrong but he started in every game of champions league uh, but i think i think pianic will be a decent enough replacement for Sergio Busquets for the time being. That is what I'll say. It is a short-term fix. Definitely not a long-term, but uh, a capable short-term fix, I'll say. So, the thing with uh, Pjanic is, like, initially off the back of it, I would say, I think it's a bit harsh that you've put him on number nine, looking at the players ahead. But I'm interested. I'm, like, interested to see what you have to say about them. Yeah, so the thing about Pjanic is, when he was announced that, yeah, we are buying Pjanic and it's a profit money deal, like it was essentially a money deal. Both the teams needed to make some money out of it. And ultimately, it wasn't that much of, a, of like an amount. It's just 10 million. So Pjanic was a bit tricky because we were really angry that we are buying another old player. Like 30 years is not young. Yeah, he is kind of towards the end of his prime. But we always knew that Pjanic is a world-class midfielder and he has proven himself on multiple occasions. But the thing with Pjanic right now is that I believe he's playing really good. Like, if you, like I don't know if you've seen Barca's games like out and out every game for 90 minutes. So I have been following them for like literally every minute that they have played. Basically, I think that Pjanic has turned out to be a really good signing. Yeah, the thing with Arthur was that we knew that he might be good or he might not be good. And the fact that we were getting 65 million for him right now and we cashed out on that was good. And Pjanic coming in has is like a really, really good short-term signing. And not even like short-term, I mean like one year or two years. He is, if he stays, he will be a good signing for the next three, four years. Because he can replace Busquets in that role but we already have De Jong to replace Busquets in that role. So it's like right now in the formation that we play, we play two center defensive midfielders. So in that role, Pjanic plays really good because De Jong can hold back and join the defense. Whereas Pjanic, he has that ability to ping a 30-yard ball across the field or you know shoot from outside the box. So he goes forward. So this is kind of a perfect mix and he's doing really good. 
he that's not been shown in like stats assist or goal wise but that's not his role right now and he's performing really good well in his role i guess i do get that i do get that point but the only reason i put it at number 9 because uh, okay fine if barca was getting the money for arthur they were they are, they got that is totally fine then the only problem i have with this deal is barca spent 54 million pounds on a 30 year old barca could spend maybe less money for even a younger player that is what my point of view is yeah, that is you, why if I you look at, at number yeah, if you look it at from that point of view still i would say that i i can see a few players in this list who has that same kind of argument to it but uh, i'm just going to say that that's up to the barca's incompetence of barca's board they just, i i don't expect anything from them and it is just a silver lining i guess something to be happy about that this has worked out and we can only appre- like appreciate what we have right now and there is no point sulking about what we have not done right and because that has been the case for 3 years and i don't want to continue in that trajectory from now on so yeah let's yeah so then coming at number 8 will be the transfer of maro ekardi from inter milan to psg and i i think you would have this at number 9 if i'm not wrong mm. Uh, um i guess i guess yes no, i so, would say so what my reason is to put it at number 8 because uh, well personally i don't like this transfer but i mean looking it at from psg's point of view they had to replace kavani they have replaced him with i mean more than a capable striker i'll say he he caused them eventually less than what they should have paid for him basically he had a, a clause where they could buy him for what 6 60 odd million pounds yeah, 60 and they bought him for 45 so they even saved 15 million pounds which is not a big sum of money for psg but still it is a big sum of money uh the only problem i have is that maro ekardi as you know is prone to injury and uh, up till this game i i mean up till this point he has played four games scored two goals i mean and he is injured right now but my the personal side of me not liking this transfer is that i don't see a point of uh, world class players going to french football leagues I mean if you see right now Moisa Keane went to PSG I am totally fine with that transfer because he needs to rediscover his form and uh, I mean I saw him playing at Juventus he was like one of the best young strikers I had seen but and when he came to Everton I was really excited to see him play and to show his potential but it turned out to be a very bad move I mean his confidence seemed to drop a lot and he just never replicated the form he should have shown at Everton but after moving to PSG he has been I mean pretty good scoring in UCL scoring in Uber Eats league apparently now so so the uh, thing with this transfer is that on paper if you see obviously Pjanic's deal looks more like looks worse than this deal on paper this deal actually looks mm-hmm. good but when you see the players the player playing and like the season like how the season has gone but i would say that yeah i would have put Icardi on 9 and Pjanic on 8 but it's pretty close and the fact that like you mentioned Moiski Yes, he has gone to PSG on a one-year loan, like Icardi did last year. But like obviously, they he, they can't sign Moiskin right now the next year because of contracts. That yeah, English teams are basically very smart on loaning out players. So yeah, they basically said that Mauro Icardi had a pretty good season last. Like last season, he played quite well because Cavani wasn't starting and. 
Neymar. I mean, he scored twenty goals. Yeah, so that is pretty good. Yeah, so Icardi, and we all know that how he is a clinical number nine striker, out and out striker. So mm-hmm. they had to go for him, and they had to sign him. So on paper, this signing is good, but yeah, if PSG as a team this season they haven't turned up. They just haven't showed up, and. as you may know that we have seen reports of i don't know some sporting director or someone coming out and saying that maybe selling thiago silva was a mistake and like we should have never let his contract run down we should have offered him a new contract and all that now that's yeah that's just a testament to thiago silva and frank lampard yeah i said and basically everyone because everyone was shitting on this transfer that people have signed thiago silva for like he's just an old dude people are just way too how do i frame it um way too fast to pass to pass judgments i'll say just because of his age and uh, the fact that he came from psg people were like you he will not gel to this league he will he will not play to his level and what not and well to be honest that first game we had like the captain he was playing west brom he was the captain he gave away a really silly goal 3-0 down at half time that didn't bode well for him to be honest but he has shown after that game what he's capable of so yeah exactly so basically what i was trying to say is that psg as a team they haven't had the best time this year and that has been reflected in Icardi's form as well and i'm I, i really want him to do good there because he is replacing a legend a club legend which they kind of have disrespected so i want icardi to do good at least for himself cool that uh, coming at at number 7 i'll say is the transfer of nathan ake from bournemouth to manchester city and the thing is um people were very uh, let's say surprised that chelsea had not signed him back because in his contract chelsea had a clause where they could sign nathan ake back for 40 million pounds if i'm not wrong yeah, yeah and uh, i mean i was never too keen on nathan ake people people think that he was a very good defender and uh someone who could be one who can play at chelsea but he he exactly was not that kind of a player he was not a very um assertive player a defender what chelsea needed was a leader a, a person who could uh boss the defense which we got in thiago silva so manchester city came in they literally offered um 40.7 million pounds yeah so 41 million roughly just a million above 41 million and uh, it is i mean nathan ake will only be a backup backup center back and a left back he can also play left back so i mean it is a it is an okay situation for city to have him because he he can be a reliable defender but he is not a defender who is at the level of manchester city if ake would have gone to like let's say everton or west ham or leicester city even i would have rated that transfer a lot more than him going to manchester city but yeah as you mentioned that he will be a good backup center back and like I think Manchester City is the only club that can afford to have a 40 plus million centre back as a backup option. So yeah, the thing is that team 400 million on defender. Yeah, but he was he was so hyped. He has been so hyped for last two years, and he the hype I didn't understand the hype because he was he was at Chelsea here and he was all right. We let him go. and he's 25 years of age he's not like a young 20 year old star kid kind of like like he will he has massive potential to grow and if you're splashing 40 odd million on him right now you will reap the rewards 5 years down the line no he is 25 and if you're paying 25 year like a 25 year old who's playing for bournemouth 
and like he hasn't done that well for him to be like a 40 million defender but i think that's the way the market works right now but still i wouldn't pay 40 million for him it was manchester city that's why i guess the price was at that level but i wouldn't pay more than i i don't know maybe like a 25 million or something so yeah as you mentioned that if he would have gone to an everton or a leicester or someone like that a leeds or something then i can understand that's that's like a good step up for, for him moving up into a midfield tier Premier League team from a relegated Bournemouth is good. But if you're coming at Manchester City, I don't think so you're getting in that lineup. But knowing Pep, he he is the master of rotating teams, Pep Rolle, as we all know. So you may never know. He might but yeah, but the thing is I still cannot see him being the main centre back if everyone is fit. He's just not that character. Keeping in mind, they have a 19-year-old Eric Garcia. Eric Garcia is just just there for formality. Eric Garcia is just there for formality. He he doesn't even like to play for Manchester City. We all know what will happen. But that is only the case because Manchester City hasn't tried to lower, like make him stay or anything. Barca's interest came up and they were like, okay, you can go, you can fuck off. And after they they've said that, they didn't even let him go. They were fighting for 2-3 million. Like, I can't even be asked for that. A team like City who have spent like 400 odd million on defenders is fighting for 4-5 millions. Like, ah, that was really, really petty by them. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that Eric Garcia will leave and that will open up a few more chances for Nathan Ake because then, they're, then he will be in the mix with the top three centre-backs. Considering Kyle Walker shifts to the right and not keep like continues to play as a centre back. Mm-hmm. Uh, now coming to sixth transfer, I this is according now. I changed it at the last moment. I'll say this will be Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid to Arsenal for forty-five million pounds. Um, first of all. Excellent buy for Arsenal, no doubt. They needed a player like Thomas Partey very badly. And £45 million, just because he had a release clause, they got him for this amount. Um, he still is like, what, 27 or 28? So he, he is at his peak. Uh, but the thing is, He still has not shown what he is really capable of. Maybe he is, he can't show this. He can't show his, um, the strong side unless and until Arteta changes his formation and goes back to a four at the back. Because I feel Thomas Partey in his best position Position will play in a 4-3-3, not in a 3-4-3. Yeah, I agree with that. The signing was really good and it was kind of unexpected because we, we just weren't hearing anything until probably the last few hours of the deadline day. And it mm-hmm. was kind of a surprise, but we were always like, he was always in the conversation. And I, yeah, I liked the transfer by Arsenal and they needed a play like that. And the thing mm-hmm. with Thomas Partey is that he, he was in an Atletico Madrid team who was a top three, top four team in their league. And a team was, which was defensively solid. Yeah, a team because. which was a team which is known for its defensive solidity and discipline. So Thomas Partey is a guy who likes to command the ball, a guy who likes to command his the players around him. And to be fair, right now he hasn't had the best start. Because Arsenal as a team, they just aren't the best team to look at right now. Like Thomas Partey would be having spells of 10 minutes of individual, having a good game of like for like 10 minutes, they're kind of slowing down and all. But I have good hopes from him. He will do good. But I think Arsenal and Atleta need to understand that they need to kind of build the team around Aubameyang and Partey as like the forward and the holding player. So 
I don't think so. They can afford to play a four at the back right now. I think the three four three is the way, and they have to go with that only, because that includes Saka as a left wing back, and I think he is one of their best players, in, like in their team right now in this season. And Arteta has a problem in his hands right now, but it is a good problem to have. But he needs to work out how to make Party the prominent man in the middle. But I in- mean, since since Thomas Party has joined, he's played five games. Out of these five games, he started four. But the thing is, he he started four and lost three of those games. And the only game he has won in, in those four games was was against Tundo, uh, uh, if I'm not wrong. So that that is a worrying sign because, I mean, fine, you lose to Leicester City. I mean, you lose to Manchester City. That is completely valid. You are you are let off from that. But then you lost to Leicester City, and then you lost to Aston Villa. I mean, that is not something very acceptable for me, at least. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That. Arsenal as a team, they have like a spell spell of a, like, like a good weekend, then a couple of average or bad weekends, then a good weekend. Like we saw against Man United. Party started in that game and they won 1-0. And Party was actually pretty good in that game. So, you know, we need to have more performances like that. We need to see more performances like that. But that was also a very defensive kind of performance, which suits Party. So that's what I'm saying. Arteta needs to find that balance of defensive mindedness and attacking mindedness, and they need to find a balance when to attack and how to attack. That completely comes down to them actually creating chances, which they have been lacking a lot. So when Arsenal will start to create more chances, I think Party can focus more on holding back and like kind of organizing the defensive line and the players ahead and behind him. Yeah, so I think Arsenal as a team needs to help party. Only then can party help the, the team. So I think the yeah. first condition is not being satisfied week in, week out right now. Mm-hmm. Now, coming at the halfway mark, I mean, this was the halfway mark. I mean, coming to the top five, according to me, at number four, Five comes Ruben Diaz from Benfica to Manchester City for 61 million pounds. Um, I mean, it shows the amount of uh, it shows the amount of goals they were conceding before the arrival of Ruben Diaz, and now the amount of scores and the amount of goals they are conceding now after his arrival. Because I mean, according to me, Ruben Diaz, I doubted him. Uh, initially because I had never seen him. But now, I mean, he's played seven games and had has clean, three clean sheets. Yeah, three clean sheets. And uh, out of the seven, if I'm not wrong, uh, he played like what, um, two games in Champions League and other five in the Premier League. And in those other five games, is considered like um, he he did not concede more than a goal, so that has made the city's defense a bit more um, let's say strong and compact, which was not before due to the injury of uh, Fernandinho and. Uh, I mean, you can say it is a bit expensive, but I mean, 61 million pounds is nothing as compared to 80 million pounds that Manchester United paid for Harry Maguire. So, yeah, the thing is that I myself am, is, I myself am kind of in like a pickle who to pick ahead of party, as in like if I want to pick Diaz as the f- number fifth or if I, if I want party to be the number first because I feel that the impact that that player has okay if you judge it by performance till now 
then obviously Diaz is the number fifth. Diaz always comes ahead of party if you judge on the performance till now, which we are doing kind of. But I think if you if you see as kind of a long term thing, maybe like by the end of this season or something, I feel like party might have a more greater impact on the team because they really, really badly needed a center midfielder of that capabilities in that team. But you could I make mean, the same argument for Diaz as well. I know that. Exactly, but yeah, it's exactly. pretty close for me. And the thing, only yeah. the thing is that I cannot overlook the fact that Manchester City have spent a hundred million pounds in the same transfer window on two defenders. And we don't really know how they both are. Like it's not like a confirmed like we are going for this world class person who has proved himself, like Chelsea did with Ben Chilwell. Like we will come on to him in the later part of this video. But sixty million for Ruben Diaz. I know he is a good player. I have seen him play a couple of times for Portugal, and he is good, undoubtedly. And he is young also, so I can see that this transfer. To work to be working out in the future as well, so I think I can yeah I I I can give him a number five spot ahead of party considering all this. Uh, then coming at number four is the one transfer which, according I mean by the amount of money they had paid, people raised a lot of eyebrows whether he can make the difference for them or not. I mean, but according to me, he has started very well. He has made a pretty good impact, and that is the transfer of Victor Osimhen from LOSC Lille to Napoli for sixty-three million pounds. And uh, I mean, you can see. I mean, I am not sure whether you follow even a little bit of Italian football or not, but I have seen him play. in italian football and he has made such a change for napoli and catuso i mean his stats don't exactly say that he has played eight games and uh, scored two goals and assisted one but you can see his impact by the league table and the way he plays because the way catuso plays his team has to be solid by defense and they need um, a holding striker basically a striker who can hold up the ball and further pass it to the wingers and osimhen has been such an excellent player up till now for napoli and uh, basically the league table suggests that they are only 3 points off the top from ac milan so i feel victor osimhen and plus he is such a young player he is one for the future and plus obviously coming from the french league to any other top 5 league and any other top 5 league it takes a bit of time but i think victor osimhen will be an excellent signing for napoli for the future and for many years to come as long as he is on the same page with mr katuso so the yeah i i i have i keep tabs on the italian league but i don't follow it as much i don't watch many games but yeah i know that napoli has had a good start to the season and obviously gattuso is a really good manager uh yeah the thing is that osimhen yeah as you said he is very young he is just 21 years of age and the attack which they have right now in mertens and like lozano and osimhen and all that so they work well together and osimhen has just added class to that team pure pace to that attack and i i am a bit shocked that you haven't put him like higher than this i would definitely put him higher than this but yeah i am interested to see what you have to say about the rest three players but yeah osimhen he was i guess the one of the most expensive signings of this summer and i was a bit shocked on the price tag but i wasn't surprised to like as to the abilities of osimhen i was like okay you've paid this amount but surely you will reap the rewards of it 
starting from day dot up till the next five or six years or whatever, and you will make a massive profit on him. He was always going to be that star player. Maybe somewhat like Pepe made his big move to Arsenal and he has kind of flopped. Osimhen is on the complete opposite trajectory to it. So you can make an argument about Pepe moving into the Premier League and moving into a big Premier League team too soon. He and whereas Osimhen might have learned from that and is on the right path, moving from kind of like a top six French league team to a really, really competitive Serie A team to then making a big move in the coming three or four years maybe. So I think he's on the right track and this was a really good signing. And for me, it should be a bit higher than this on the ranking. Okay, now you're saying it. I think I should have put him at number three, to be really honest. I mean... Now it would look a bit biased in my top three signings for obvious <laughs> reasons. Uh, okay, fine. It is my mistake. I should have put him at number three, but okay, fine. Ah, we'll you, can, you can you can always you know you can always discuss some things. I might have said some points that you might have reflected on, and it's always a. I mean, take care, but at number three, I'll go with the most expensive transfer of this summer window. That is Kai Havertz from Bayern Leverkusen. To so you are sticking with Kai Chelsea. Havertz on number three, or are you moving it actually? Or I mean, if if I can move it, I'll. Yeah, you can do it because I'm going to okay, be completely fine. candid with everyone. We weren't supposed to do a ranking like this, and we have only kind of started to think about this just before we sat for the podcast. So he, Roshan, to be fair to him, hasn't had. Days to you know make his ranking and ponder on the ranks himself, and I think it has been pretty fair up till now. And it was just a personal assessment of things that he has also kind of agreed to. So I will give him this one little chink in his armor up till now. So yeah, I think so. He's going with Victor Oziman on number three, and Kai Havertz three. Then Kai Havertz, I'll say at number four because I mean, um. See the thing is, um, while watching the first game against Brighton, both me and you had our doubts about him. I mean, not exactly doubts, but the way he started, we could see that he needs time. He was not match fit. He could, I mean, barely keep up with the pace of Premier League in his first game. And, uh, but still, I mean. I mean Moving on up till now, uh, he's played 10 games, uh, scored 4, assisted 3. I mean, fine people will say, oh, he scored 3 goals against Barnsley or not. I don't care. At least he scored goals. Goals matter, not not the team that matters. So, um, he has contributed, I'll say. But uh, I still feel there is uh, scope for improvement. There, there will always be scope for improvement for a 21-year-old. And with so much of talent that he has, he has a long way to go. But the way he plays the game, the way he is such a fluid player, I'll say. He's such fluid with the ball. He moves ball with such elegance. And this elegance is... it's. It's just pleasing to the eye. Not only for a Chelsea fan, but even to a neutral supporter who understands football. Yeah. And uh, right now, he is he has contracted COVID, but uh, he'll be fine. I, I, I think he, in, by the end of the season, he, he will provide more assist than goals. That is what I feel. He is more of a playmaker, according to me, than a goal scorer. Yeah, so when he first came in, obviously we need to cut the guy some slack because he is—he was just like a 20-year-old lad who has just come from Germany and Bayer Leverkusen, which was not that competitive of a league anyways. And now he's moved to England in the big league. You need to give the lad some time to adjust. Chelsea, the whole squad has like didn't turn up for the first few games because it was like a warm-up match for everyone for the, the first couple of games. And yeah, I just think that he will do good. And the only thing is that I'm putting him be behind Osiman right now is that Osiman has had that kind of like a good start to the season. Whereas 
Havertz is still kind of developing into the squad. And I think the deeper role that kind of Lampard has put him into now in the midfield with Mount, he has the freedom to move around now. And I think he was just about like adapting in that role and he's just contracted COVID right now. So, yeah, he will come back and again, he won't be flying out on the pitch right now. I think he will take another couple of games to get going again. Yeah, but I, I, I'm strong that he will have a good end to the season. and Basically, he is one for the future. And I, we, we shouldn't judge him too quick, but not give him too much time as in like we just forget about him. Yeah, he, he is a good signing. And I think the price is also justified. Just to cover that price point as well. Then coming in at number two. I'm interested to see this. I'm interested to hear this. I'll say the transfer of Timo Werner from Leipzig to Chelsea. For me, it will be number two. I, I mean, agree, the I price agree. tag now Now seeing how much he's contributed only in 12 games, the price tag of £48 million is a bargain for me. In 12 games, he's scored eight goals and given three assists. So, I mean, almost a game uh, goal involvement so, I mean, it is a bargain. Plus, one thing that we lacked last season was the clinical finishing, which Timo Werner has um, filled up that void, which my team had, which Chelsea had. And uh, his work rate is just phenomenal. You never see him slacking and just walking by. He sprints every time he has the opportunity. He thinks he can uh, intercept the ball and what not. I mean, the biggest uh, plus point I feel is we get the biggest plus point I feel we get from Werner is the uh, work rate. Because after Mount, if one player I have seen who has an excellent work rate at Chelsea, excluding Angolo Conte, is Timo Werner. Yeah, that's true. That everything is true, and I think putting him on the like behind the first person that I know you say, putting him as the number two is pretty fair because uh, I think it's very very close between the first and second, and I would have taken either of the spots for Timo Werner. And the thing is that I saw this stat, this tweet somewhere that you know how Harry Kane has had this wonderful start to the season and how he is like this world-class striker in the Premier League right now. And I saw the stat that he has had like, I don't know, like 18 goal goal involvements this season right now. And Mm -hmm. how much did you say for Timo Werner it was? Can you just remind me? 11. Yeah, so it was, sorry, it was somewhat like uh, Harry Kane has had 15 or 16 goal goal involvements this season, and Timo Werner has had 13. Yeah, I remember 13. As in, I think they are involving some other leagues as well. I, I don't know. It was including internationals and everything. So, oh, if if you yeah. include internationals, he has no. I just meant a player. Yeah, I just meant as a player. So people are banging on about how Harry Kane is this world class striker right now, and he's like one of the best right now, and how they. They just they were just shitting on Timo Werner for the first three four games, and now they're not saying anything. So that just proves our point that you just need to give the lad a few weeks to settle into this new country, this new league, new people, new language, and he will turn up. And I predicted this early on, like I was chatting to a friend of mine who's a United fan, that I said that they were just making fun of Werner and how he hasn't scored for like three, four games and everything. I was like, bro, you write this thing on a piece of paper that Timo Werner will score around, I'm not saying above, I'm saying around 20 goals this season. And that's what, that's the thing. Like, I know it's pretty bold, but that's the thing. And he is well on his way to do that. I mean, he has scored like what, six goals already in the Premier League in eight games. I mean, he is... Almost, I mean, and we haven't really like Chelsea hasn't really started because they haven't had the best pick of players right now. At least one or two of the players are always out with injury or COVID or anything. So, exactly. And coming in at number one is uh, one transfer which people said would be uh, a waste of money. People said that he is an overrated player. 
and what not and the only reason he is above timo werner is because of the impact he has had on the defensive side of chelsea is the transfer of ben chilwell from leicester city to chelsea best best left back in the premier league cavat me best left back in the premier league robertson who i mean i mean since robertson is injured now robertson is injured now so yes he is the left back best left back and uh, i mean his stats say everything he's played 10 games five goal involvements and six clean sheet i mean what else can you and just to remind everyone he's a left back he he is a left back i mean he he has transformed our left back position i won't say transformed but made it more solid i mean it it was never very solid he has made it solid and 45 million in today's price in today's market i'll say is a bargain not in general in general it is not a bargain but in today's market it is a bargain and plus he is on the younger side of 20s he is like 23 yeah 23 around 23 so i mean if he stays with us he is like a solution for our first choice left back for a decade minimum yeah this is the thing is that people forget that english players if you see that this is an english player and he is like a household name he has been hyped about and he is he's, he's had like a couple of good seasons you whack on 50% more on the price straight up whack on 50% more do you think jaden sancho player of that capability would be any anything more than 70 or 80 million no only because he is english he is 120 million so you need to consider yeah, that same same i think went for mbappe also he went for like what 180 million yeah euros or pounds whatever it was because yeah. he was french and he was yeah. going to france so that home country being a native of a country plays a major role in your transfer fee but i still feel 45 million yeah totally it is a bargain in this time and he has proved that he he has justified every penny that we've paid for him and i come i commend frank lampard and his vision because he was adamant on signing ben chilwell that names like nicolas tagliafico and i don't know there was like Sergio Reguilon and like a couple of more names were thrown about that. Okay, let's just forget about Chilwell if he's like fifty million. Let's just forget about him. We're never going to go for a fifty million left back. Let's just fall back on like backup option. But Lampard was adamant that I will justify this price tag and I will justify all the money that I've spent, and he has done it big time. And I don't think so. Chilwell will leave because Chelsea are embarking on this massive journey of massive dominance across Europe. I feel. that in the next 5 years if everything continues like this i think chelsea will have a, like an era of dominance like liverpool like winning the premier league winning the champions league i'm speaking it into existence i know bro i'm just speaking it into existence and i think chilwell is very much settled in chelsea with the boys with the man them he is chilling he's having his time of his life so i don't think so he's going to leave any time soon I mean, him settling down in squad was more uh, easy because of him being English and him knowing half of the Chelsea players through his through the international setup. But I am yeah. very pleased right now. But uh, still, let's see about whether he'll play this week against Newcastle or not due to his. But yeah, I, I, I've I've had like i've had a look around about the injury and i've i've seen some people to it about it apparently it was just a back spasm and in that moment he didn't feel like like he could continue and it was because of the excessive traveling and the excessive games that they have had that his back just maybe wasn't in the right position to like when he was flying in he was he had some discomfort in his back and that was spasmed and triggered in the game i don't think so it will like he will i don't think so he will play uh, this wednesday for england for sure he won't play and i think he will be fit for chelsea's game and even if he's not fit i would just rest him for this one week and not take a chance 
because if this yeah, this is, is we can even play as as Filiberto at left back so i i i really don't or emerson or alonso alonso will not play alonso is <laughs> not emerson might start if chilwell is emerson can start but i still have doubts of emerson so no but I mean, yeah obviously we yeah i think that was a pretty good ranking and i agree with most of it and uh, at, uh, it's good that you saw the need to maybe rectify some things that you didn't quite 100% believe in which was good and it shows that it's not like we have some egos and some agenda of always like pushing the players we love and like it's not not absolutely not that and if you think this was a biased opinion and well it was our opinion so I mean, it does not matter. Blame Chelsea for playing well, then I guess. Yeah, and you are living under a rock, or you are just ignorant, and you're not actually you're not a football fan. So you're just not recognizing the sheer brilliance in front of your eyes. And I think, yeah, I think we will end on that high note, <laughs> praising Chelsea as always. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really good ranking, and we 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 will. try to bring a few guests in we keep on saying this every podcast but it just couldn't happen for the past few weeks and we ourselves I mean, i'd rather blame blame the guest for that but i'll be professional and not say that and you have just said that but yeah um yeah. we yeah we cannot promise anything but we will try to do our best anyways i will take your leave now it has been a good ranking as always and we will do more of these things rankings and ratings in the future when we don't have actual content to talk about because of this excellent international break so any finishing words um i'll just say uh, follow the page if you're listening to the podcast like it share it with your friends and uh, yep mm-hmm. more if you have any ideas you can even suggest us if you believe you could improve the ranking do tell us in the comments and yep that would be it thank you very much see you guys next week potentially and bye